Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Eating you. I'm Brian Yang. Follow me on Instagram at Brian L. Yang on Twitter at Brian Yang with my co-host Ariel Yeti. You can find me on the internet at Ariel underscore comedy on Twitter and Instagram at ArielComedy.com. And we're presented by Listening Party, recorded inside Canal Street Radio. Follow the crew at Listening Party presented in at Canal Street Radio. Welcome to the podcast. A husband, a father, but most importantly, Emmy Award nominated <laughs> comedy writer Greg Iwinski to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank shit. you. You're used to the studio audience, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and thank we have a studio audience. Thank you for our podcast. Reminding me that I lost. <laughs> but you were nominated. You were yes, always yes. a bridesmaid. It was very fun because I uh, only thought that we would win for like one half of a second because okay. last week tonight won. And, As they uh, always do. Yes, which it's like that, I mean that it's show is thing. insanely good, uh, you know. And you have a week to write it. It's 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 great. But the way it was announced was the team from last week tonight, and so they said the, and I went. You thought you can get hurt by this, but you did. <laughs> oh, because you opened your heart a little just bit. Just that yeah, crack of the, I was like, right. oh no. Uh, because only that because, is a weird way to announce it. Yes, yeah. and I didn't want to look like it's not even like winning. Or it's I just don't want to look dumb walking up steps. <laughs> So it's like I should be prepared to like get out and then shuffle down an aisle right. and then get up and go do that and just don't look dumb. Don't let anyone notice you. Like right. so, so you were happy you didn't win because you didn't want to look goofy walking up the steps. Oh yeah. Well when he didn't, I was like, okay, I can just sit here and then politely clap. <laughs> Thank and, God. Yeah. And you they flew that. you out from New York for one night, basically, and you came right back. I know everybody uh goes out because um I think every show is different, but I think most shows take that Monday off. Oh, okay. So I that don't I don't sense. know how every show does it. I feel like Seth different. didn't. He did a show. They all left on their, the red their, eye. Wow. Their writers were like back on the plane yes. right after yes. the show. Yeah, nice. I saw that. Yeah, which we had done a previous year mm. when, when the Creative Arts Emmys kind of conflicted with the schedule. We had, had done that. And uh, there is some merit to like you take a red eye back and you land at the airport at 6 a.m. And then you're like, well, I have to go write jokes. And your brain is so janked from uh-huh. sleeping on a plane that you're like, okay, I got some ideas. <laughs> oh, because you're just like, my mind is on fire. Yeah, right you're now. in that yeah. like SNL, like, uh, you know, that that middle of the night, so tired right, thing. Right. Almost like kind of high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would okay. I would assume. I've never. <laughs> I've never. I've never partaken. done drugs. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a very, uh, these glasses are not a lot. I <laughs> am this nerdy. <laughs> I was homeschooled. Oh, wow. stayed like Hell that kind yeah. of person. For Where are you from? I love it. I was uh, born in Kansas City. Okay. Uh, and then was adopted because my parents were in high school. Oh, wow. They were friends with benefits. Benefit was me. Okay. <laughs> I was okay. like, hey. And, uh, Very so. um, progressive, though. Yeah. Interracial yeah. fucking. Oh, in the 80s, yeah. Interracial was, high yeah. school fucking that, in Kansas City. That was. Where the here. KKK adopts highways still. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because hey. I grew up in Kansas City partially. Oh, and where? And you would dra- uh, 
Kansas City, Kansas. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there are parts of the highway that you would drive by that said, this portion of the highway is adopted by the KKK. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. They didn't even try to hide nope. it. Nope. Call it anything else. And, the, and the, the state's no just like, we have to take the money? Yeah. <laughs> but they we keep it so money. clean because they, they burn so all clean. the trash. They, they, they yeah. just burn all the trash. And they hate <laughs> dirty roads. Yeah. yeah. You know, they want to keep that. it pristine. They want to keep it yeah. white. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Those mile markers are just so clean. So clean. Yeah. I was born in Shawnee. Okay. So, uh, and then, um, I, but I grew, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. So, oh, okay. uh, for most of my also, life, got adopted by two white hippies and white. lived uh, in the middle of nowhere in Arizona. I was just, yeah. I, I, cause we became friends through, uh, mutual people we know and Twitter. Yeah. And I told you I was in Flagstaff. Yes. And it is very hippie-ish yeah. and weird out there. It's yeah. very spiritual. Yeah, and then you'll see a guy with an AK-47 walking. Around. Yeah, it's it's weird because we watched this movie last night. We're, we're just trying to watch more movies, my wife and I, um, instead of just like flipping through a Netflix queue for an hour. Being right. like, let's just pick something. And okay. if it's bad, then we saw a bad movie and we know, we, whatever. So we watched uh, Slow West, which came I out. I liked that never movie. Okay. I had never heard of it. Came out in 2015, shot in 2013. One of those that gets like shuffled around. Yeah. And it's... Um, uh, Oh my gosh! Fassbender, what is, Michael Fassbender, sexy as fucking. Don't know who that is. Okay, he's Magneto in the X Men movies, and he sure. also is. Mm, he's in what's a adult movie for smart grownups? That <laughs> Fassbender he's in. He's was been in uh, Glorious Bastards. He was okay. In, yes, I've he was seen in that. that. He's um, incredibly attractive. So he's, he's a, so, very attractive. So, okay. so hot. He's okay. so hot, yeah. and so it's him, uh, um, and this like teen boy, and it's it's basically, <laughs> and um, uh, Ben Mendelsohn is in it, and it's it's. A bunch of Europeans made this Western. <laughs> These about, movies don't get yeah, out to New I Jersey. Don't, yeah, no, I live in Jersey, and this sounds very white. They have, and I don't okay. know what's happening. They have a different it, Netflix. Yes, it's <laughs> it's just Flavor of Love. <laughs> and I've been watching Flavor of Love yeah, over and over again. It was an hour and a half long, so we were like, "This so is not Flavor a of love. this is not a bad commitment." And it's about like a a Scottish kid who comes to find his like his girl that he's in love with, okay. who's fled to the American West, and it's all it's about is like how brutal. And merciless the West is. And as someone who grew up in Arizona, I loved it because it was just every single person that this dumb Scottish kid thinks he can trust screws him over again and again and again. And that's what it's like growing up in Arizona. Is like <laughs> I was going to say, everyone... that's what it's like growing up being black. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's, it's very, and growing up black in Arizona, you're just oh, like, boy. Uh, hmm, mm. I'm going to let everybody else hate each other and they won't even know I'm here. <laughs> oh, no, they'll see you. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, but it is very like uh, when you're walking down the street, towards each other you're just kind of like it feels like it's the 1800s where you're like i hope they don't mess with me i'm not the gonna mess with them off. yeah you just walk past each other and you're like and it's the nod of like i'm not gonna f with you you're not gonna wow. f with me we'll be good and let's move on it's what like is arizona it's and well it's one of the reasons i think people still have guns and there's all this stuff is the the ethos of arizona is leave me alone and i'll right. leave you alone it's you because it's not as densely populated as new york yeah so i totally get why they love guns out there here we have too many people on top of each other. Someone would get shot every day. Oh yeah, it'd be a, it'd so you. Be a mass you can murder. go and almost never run into anyone, yep. and you're in your car, or like if you're mm -hmm. out and and it's it was the last state in the contiguous U.S. to join the United States. Right. Okay. Arizona, as I've said many places, is like 
we're fine is like the motto of Arizona. Like, <laughs> you guys just yeah, it's like started. do your thing over there. Yeah, you guys do here. whatever. All you guys in New York with your bowler hats do right. your weird things, and we'll be here. I think it was you like know. the last date to do Martin Luther King Jr. Day yeah, as a holiday. Yes, it was. <laughs> it's really just yeah. really leave yeah. us alone. And then what's crazy is Trump won it by three points, and we have two senators, both women, one Democrat and bisexual, and one right. Republican fighter pilot. It's a weird okay. state. So it <laughs> is a, a it's a mixed bag, it baby. It's a crazy but mixed bag. But when you go there, you understand cuz there's like crystal shops mm-hmm. and pawn shops with guns mm-hmm. and like hippies and basically guys who are like training their own militia to fight the border war. It's very it wild. It sounds yeah. like it's all of the different kinds of whites. <laughs> yes. in Arizona yes. cuz there are specific kinds of whites here, but Arizona has all of the all ones. The it has a lot of the those. The hippie whites. And the... the nice thing it has as well is it has several different kinds of minority communities because mm. it has like, it has brand new immigrants from Mexico. Okay. But then you have people who have come from Mexico three generations ago and got rich and are like, no more. Like, I'm closing yeah. the door behind me. Mm. Right. And then you also have Native American Native communities Americans. that have been there forever. Yes. And, like, I lived on a reservation for two years. What? And uh, And so there's people still living there. <laughs> but, but your white hippie parents moved onto a reservation. Yeah. Yeah. What? Oh, my God. We, had a, we worked, a, we ran a fish farm. Oh, And so what? it was crazy. A catfish and tilapia farm. It Whoa. Was, it's a weird what? life. Yeah. That is it. So just to reset, our guest is Greg Iwinski. <laughs> Jesus he, Christ. He wrote on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. He's an Emmy Award nominated writer. Yep. And he grew up in Arizona yeah. on a fish farm. Yeah. On a reservation. Eating <laughs> a ton of catfish. That's what. What's eating you this week, Greg? We can get right into that. Yeah. We've what's, had a little introduction into your life. We'll get more into it. What's bothering you? What's eating me is not just this week. It has eaten oh. me since every time I've lived in New York City. Okay. You cannot get Sonoran-style Mexican food in New York City. No. And, I don't even know what that is. Okay. So Mexico, like everywhere else, has states mm-hmm. and uh, regions. And Sonora is the most north part. So it's the desert that is right next to Arizona and New Mexico. Okay. Nothing grows there. There's no plants. There's nothing. So they have their own kind of Mexican food that, like, there's no lettuce in it. There's no tomatoes because you can't grow them. Right. It's nothing. And so you just have, like, stews, rice, and meat from whatever, like, animals you had. And that's what's in Arizona. So you grow up having, like, uh, a lot of hatch chili, but then also, like, green chili burritos. That was a staple right. growing up. You can't get it here. There's, like, oh, well, we have some soup with, like, a salsa verde in it's it. It's a lot or blah, of, like, blah. Oaxacan style. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's near Oaxaca, mm-hmm. and then it's... But it is this region that I guess a lot of people from there, I can understand weather-wise, you wouldn't move to they New don't York. Right. Go to Chicago. Right. You wouldn't come up there. And so there is a lot of it spread over the Southwest. But when I've lived in Chicago, Atlanta, New Orleans, like up here, there no one has it. And you would have mm-hmm. to find a grandma who had like <laughs> right. known a recipe. That, yeah. So we are we experiment at home all the time trying to recreate the stuff that grandma's doing in kitchens. Because back in Arizona, it's like after mass, there's like 20... Mexican uh, grandmas that are like selling them for two dollars a burrito to raise yeah. money for a school dance or something like right. that. And it's like the best burrito you've ever had. Oh my gosh! Right. It's so I. It is so what, good. What is the flavor? What's happening in there? It's a. Uh, there's tomatillos, okay. jalapenos, hatch green chilies, which are roasted. So this is like mm-hmm. a nice green sauce. Yeah, it's a it's a thick green like, and it's a it's really it's hot, but it's also got a lot of tang from the tomatillos. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's and then you stew beef or pork in it until oh, it just man. falls apart. And literally, the burrito is just a twelve-inch flour tortilla with that in it, like soup, meat soup, wrapped up. Delicious. Nothing else is in I the. I feel burrito. like you can this. get it in Colorado. 
Yes, also? probably. Colorado yeah. likes to do it in a bowl though, without oh, the tortilla. They I like gotcha. to just be like, "Here it is," and it's okay. so good. But it's that soup in a tortilla, and that is my number one food jam. And I have a million oh. food jams, but that <laughs> is my that is my Top number of the list. one. Is salivating, ladies and gentlemen. No, God. they. I don't think that type of food because it it has to be uh, kind of anointed by white people. Yeah, they and haven't that will never again. happen in New York because they like. A certain style of Mexican food. That's what's so weird is you think that there could be some white person who's like, I'm gonna, you know, disrupt. That's a, I mean, they a very will. white they people will. Love to I'm gonna disrupt. disrupt the Mexican right. food game and bring yeah. this kind that you haven't heard right. of, and everyone from the Southwest will be like, Yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard of that. Right. Someone's gonna come out with an article saying it's funky fresh, and oh new. yeah, like a couple of weeks ago, this guy uh, in LA Times was like. Lao food is this new food that's hitting the scene. It's like, we've fucking eaten this for millions of years, man. You just found out yeah. about it. I'm really excited for like, because my dad, although he's white and 6'7", uh, grew up in the Philippines. Okay. And so I'm very excited for them to like find balu and like right. start eating that, like the fertilized duck egg mm -hmm. that you crack open oh, yeah, and yeah. you crunch it out. I and think that's when a bunch of kids in Williamsburg are like, oh, yeah, it's so good. Crunch, crunch. Yeah. I'm saying I think that's where the buck stops for the whites. They're like, I'm not going to eat this thing that's probably still alive. Oh, it's got um, some feathers on it. <laughs> but Mark, our, our first Filipino guest, he does feel like Filipino food will be probably one of the next food trends because that yeah. food is so tasty. Yeah. And I think can translate to Well, it's, it's already had to adapt to so many different exactly. cultures because yeah. right. the Philippines have just been everyone's been there exactly yeah. yeah and it's close to mexican it's close to asian i think those flavors uh are easily identifiable and uh, sadly white people have to anoint the food yeah. <laughs> before yeah. it becomes yeah. successful i'm trying to think of like the the mexican food that you're describing i almost think it wouldn't catch on for many years because it's got the flour tortilla in there nobody's doing flour anymore mm -hmm. and there's not enough like fresh veggies in there like you said there's no it's yeah, all like a no stew fresh, it's just so meat it's just meat fat juice <laughs> meat that and fat so, good, so it's though. just like yes it sounds delicious but do will whites take this right. and try to make it their own i don't know that's true. i don't know unless they try to it's add a gluten-free tortilla yeah right, right, right. <laughs> right honestly yeah we'll see it at mimi chang's next, <laughs> next week <laughs> no, no rice in the burrito either. no just no the rice stewed in. meat what you get the sauce like what you can get is like a green chili platter, which would be green chili in like a takeout box. Mm -hmm. And you'd have rice, beans in the small boxes, and then green chili gotcha. with a tortilla on the side. Oh, that sounds pretty dope, yeah. too. This and could work instead of Chinese restaurants. Yes. Ooh. And it's like $7. Maybe I'll yeah, start that's this the up. Thing, right? Fuck it. So I'm from Northern California. We don't have that, but we have is street style tacos. Yeah. And they're like $2 a piece. Yeah, from so NorCal. You can get like 10 of them, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's a lot of it is about the high quality ingredients for the super low cost of yeah. them. And that's what it is. Street and that food. hasn't really translated to the East Coast. And the Mexican food here is very expensive, and it tastes like shit. Mm -hmm. They have Somehow. the thing is there. There are good foods that like for me even it's had. I've tried to push outside what I'm normally doing. Like I'm not a big dumpling guy because I like something about the soggy dough. Gotcha. Like, like wet slick dough really fried, bugs baby. me. And that's yeah. so I started jumping into those. <laughs> but to say like okay, I'm gonna start learning like what's what's into that because for me there was a time like three or four years ago where I was like, you know, checking my own privilege whatever that could be mm -hmm. as a black man in america and being like oh you know what i think i like really don't like germans <laughs> you know because i like i like okay. america and world okay. war ii yeah, and yeah. that's fair and i had a friend who was living out there and so i started like duolinguing german and like listening to some podcasts and then i went out there like four or five times and uh started going to germany and traveling around and, and like eating food and doing stuff and now it's like it's all i found all these awesome parts of that culture yeah and like tried to kind of attack that prejudice i had yeah i do know. have one of my good friends tim unkenholz is german-american 
and I always joke with him, there are like only two types of Germans, Nazis and then clog wearing people who live up in the hills. Yeah, it's <laughs> the, sh- like no the Swabians and yeah, everybody else. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, hello. And then also like, Zeke out. Like yeah. that's the two, you know. No, no, no. Only the like 20% Germanies. of them voted for the, oh, okay. the new Nazis in the last general well, election. It's fine. It's progressive. AF- <laughs> AFD's <laughs> a minority party. Right. Fuck. Uh, Ariel, what's eating you this week? Oh, man. Oh, I didn't think about it. Go, Brian. Okay, what's eating me this Greg, you can probably identify with this because I saw you tweeting this uh, stuff out as well. LeBron James, man, you're eating me. I love you. You're one of my personal heroes. You changed the game. You took what it is to be an NBA player and you flipped it on his head. You took your career into your own hands, which had rarely been done before, and you were able to decide your destiny in the league. You were a voice for social justice until you <laughs> started developing a movie with Warner Brothers and really, I think, unabashedly want to become a billionaire. Okay. Uh, and have, for the majority of the time, been very outspoken about injustices in the world until it had to do with China, which stands to put billions of dollars in your pockets and the league's pockets and you went on Twitter and said that Daryl Morey maybe should have not have said anything or waited a while to say something until you were able to take corrupt China's money. And uh, it just hurt a lot. It, it really hurt to see LeBron be it like... It was so weird to see a guy who... Not all, just LeBron, Steve Kerr as well. All was, his Instagrams are so calculated. He is that guy that's like, hey, I'm curated. just hanging out. And you see, and he's like, just taking a picture like, oh, just hanging out with my kids. And you're like, you were on makeup. <laughs> yeah like it's yeah. you know it's are you just hanging out yeah. this was a photo he op. is con- exactly he's every it's like the friends you have who you know they're trying so hard right. to look casual and yeah. it's like those me are... i am that friend okay yeah me well, <laughs> brian just took 49 pictures of me i was not happy with any of them another thing he did was for weeks he showed his cute family you know he has uh two sons a little daughter his wife and they had taco tuesday oh, and no. they would all yeah. get very excited and his son got into it and then like a month later you hear on the news that LeBron is trying to trademark the term Taco yeah. Tuesday. So it's Which, like, oh, like, why? This yeah. whole time we thought he was doing this cute thing with his family and no. he was trying to create another revenue stream for himself. Yeah. Also, it was a, it is a little, he, he thinks he's getting rich enough to be a problematic minority. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Where you're like, yes. Oh, Taco Tuesday, you're black. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> not Latinx. Maybe a Latina person should yeah, be. Like an yeah. Afro Latino. And he says it like, yeah. in the way he's like, Taco Tuesday. You're like, oh, man. My he white wife have... was like, that's because because it's a black guy doing it, her brain was like looping in on itself. <laughs> she was like, babe, that was racist, right? And I was like, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. but he Feels was like, like a he, would, he would scream Taco Tuesday. Yeah. Like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, literally like Yikes. that. Yikes! Good thing I don't follow LeBron James because I have no idea what you're talking about. But this man sounds awful. Yeah. Who's I, LeBron? Well, it well, feels like a betrayal because I really loved everything he had done uh, prior to this, and I I always felt like he was consistently on the right side of things politically. And this just hurts because it seems like he is, like you said, he's become a problematic minority. Wow. Has an idol let you down, Brian? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kanye and now LeBron. I can't trust oh, man. anybody, man. You need to pick better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, the thing is, is I understand that it's like you're in a very difficult situation yeah. where he isn't just a person. He's he's basically a, a, a corporation where he's got yeah. hundreds of employees. He right. spends a million dollars a year on his body maintenance. Just on that. Yeah. Like, he spends so much money. He takes in so much money. He is trying to transcend. Jordan became a brand that Jordan gets paid, I think, $10 million a year just from the Jordan brand for licensing right. every that. year. Like, And then he wanted to go to the next level, which is I want to be that Elon Musk, Zuckerberg level exactly. billionaire. And to do that, 
I, you know, it seems like you have to kind of get rid of some of your trying to be a good person things yeah. well, to get that rich. It really hurts. And he's me. running up against that now. Right. Because you need to, he's made, I think, all the money you can make in America. So to make it to the next level, you need to take that dirty Chinese money. And yeah. he wants that. It just sucks because he was at the forefront of, you know, in athletics, the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, Trayvon Martin died uh, over NBA All-Star Weekend. LeBron took that really personally because he was this kid was going to watch him mm-hmm. play in a game and he was like one of the first players him and I think Dwayne Wade were two of the first people to wear like Black Lives Matter paraphernalia in warm-ups right? right so it just sucks that now when Asian people are getting beaten up by the government it's just it's like well I don't really know about that that's different it's like yeah. it's not different to me though it feels Fuck the same. well it, it brings up that thing of that I think a lot of people run into when they decide that they're going to be a public moral voice mm-hmm. is like, what about when it does not affect you yeah. and it doesn't yes. affect your group? Exactly. And because it's that's the thing is like in the same way that as a black man, I can talk about racism and police killing and all those things. But if I'm not standing up for women and women of color right. because I'm like, well, it doesn't affect me right. or now I'm only doing it because I'm married mm-hmm. and as a husband of a wife, I have blah, a daughter. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Like, though, well, then that's it. But if but if I'm. If I'm going to stand up for things that are right, then I've got to do it for the people who are not just impacting myself. Exactly. And that's really the line you have to cross. And that's where you start seeing – I mean it gets called out all the time, but sometimes you see it called out now with these people who we've thought of as, well, they were saying all the things we liked. Also, it helped them. Yep. Yeah. And will they cross that bridge? Will he he, you know, stand up for those people? And I'm interested to see – what other players do over the long term? I mean, Ennis Cantor is already Ennis is out huge there because he's he's basically he can't go back home. Yeah, because he's very public about his feelings of his country's and, government. Ennis Cantor is a Turkish guy who talked about Erdogan's government being terrible and committing war crimes. His okay. whole family and, can't go back. And they to basically Turkey. his whole family had to flee. And they were like, and then when he was in Indonesia, they tried to send Turkish police to arrest him and extradite him to Turkey. Even though he's like playing on the Knicks, what? and he had to call, he had to call the NBA in the airport because they <laughs> like, were detaining him in the airport to be like, "Help! They are going to kidnap me back to Turkey." Yep. What the fuck? Yeah. So he, he like this guy has skin in the game, and when you don't want to talk about right. taking a dick, so he has been clapping back at LeBron all day, being like, "Hey, man, you got to stand up for what it's you great. believe." <laughs> and also, I love Ennis Cantor because he loves professional wrestling, oh my and that's God. my personal brand. I he's know, a it social is. justice he's a warrior, huge Turkish man. Yeah. <laughs> I playing on the Knicks. Fuck the basketball. I like the goss happening behind <laughs> the scenes, baby. I mean, this oh. is, it is the most gossipy it's, sport. Yeah, I, oh, is. my gosh. Basketball does not end after the season because there's these guys love social media. They're like they're everywhere all yeah. the time. Shaq so. put out a diss track like a week ago, no, a diss rap. <laughs> yes, yeah. it, it, it is drama. The NBA is fantastic. It is the kind of league where they're like, "Oh, did you see that uh, <laughs> Damian Lillard unfollowed right. someone on his team?" And you're like, oh, "Errol, you'll love this." Kevin Durant had a burner account. That would be like, I don't know. I think Kevin Durant is pretty dope. People say he sucks, but I think he's good. He's like, I love that. And then yeah. people found out that it was him. Well, he was posting. He <laughs> oh, was, my God. He was me, replying my to energy. <laughs> this is yeah. my energy. Yes. Dude, he, he wow, accidentally I, posted wait. as his uh, yeah, real account. Right. Wait, should I follow basketball? <laughs> yes. 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 Oh, my God. It is so much drama. They are messy bitches. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It was he got caught because he was defending himself <laughs> and he thought he was using his burner, but he uses his real one. <laughs> yeah. hey, and was like, who hey, hasn't been there? Who and among then us? He wasn't the only guy there. Beca- there was a coach 
The, or, uh, oh, was General, General Manager, Manager Colangelo. <laughs> he also doing this. Oh, my gosh. Posting all about how it wasn't his fault the team was bad, blah, blah, blah. And then when they caught him, he goes, that was my wife. She set up those accounts. <laughs> right. And he, like, just threw his wife under yeah. the bus. I love it. Yes. <laughs> and also, they they were making fun of him because he dressed weird once. Oh, yeah. He wears big ties. And he was like, I don't shirts. know. I don't know. The collar shirts look good to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's fantastic. But I love the way the basketball guys dress when they're doing, like, press conferences and stuff. It's too much. Yes. Yeah. And no one is telling them any different. Why well, is, don't they have stylists? So what happened was in the 90s, they had a um, commissioner Stern. Everyone was dressing like more hip hop. And okay. Stern, the commissioner's like, everyone They would has say to it like dress. this. Uh, they were dressing like thugs. thugs. Right. Oh, I was going to say urban, but okay. Yeah, okay. They were dressing like thugs and it was yeah. scaring the whites. Yeah. Oh, so Stern was oh. like, we're implementing a dress code. So everyone, there was this weird time in like the early 2000s where everyone dressed in suits, but it looked like shit. The yeah. next, yeah, because yeah. they were all because <laughs> they're all like a seven foot. Because nine. You're a, you were a seventeen year old kid from Compton who got twenty million dollars, and you're like, what kind of suit should I wear? Men's I don't house. know. Yes. Steve Harvey collection. And Let's were, rage. They yes. were huge suits. They yeah. didn't get them tailored. Nobody knew. Oh, and man. then it took a couple generations until these guys got really into fashion. Where I think three years ago, LeBron did a fashion show at All Star Weekend that bombed. Because people were like, this sucks. I loved it. Because I watch anything <laughs> that the NBA puts on. Goss, but yeah. now these guys are like little, they love fashion now. So, but they're doing it wrong. Well, so they, it's yeah. just awful. I think they, they all look like if you go down to like like way down in South Manhattan where like the, all the streets are still brick. And people are walking around with like a $1,700 pair of jeans with a hole in the middle right. of them. No, they look like It's people... like that person dressed you. <laughs> yeah, but it's for me, it looks like someone from New Jersey coming to New York trying to dress <laughs> like New York people. Yeah. Or someone from like the Midwest, like, I'm a flex on them. And right. it's just like too much. No, that's true. It's yeah. like if I got enough money to get yes. dressed, I don't know. I'm going to trust the person <laughs> who's giving me the clothes. Uh-huh. And yeah. that might be my mistake. That's A lot of the problem is people look for labels, right? So they'll be like, mm. I'm wearing Fendi, but you look crazy. Just... Wear something that looks also, good. Also, designer sizes aren't made for these giants. No. So it's like all fucked up. Yeah. 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 It's all bad. I don't know. I now I got to watch basketball. That's me, what I've learned today. I wear a bathrobe after everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just took a shower. I'm, I'm going to go put on jeans and a hoodie and go Rodney home. Dangerfield. Bye-bye. I'm <laughs> yeah. unbelievably rich. Yeah. I don't need to put on clothes. It's for like this. that's the level of rich where you can look poor again. Yes. Yes. So why try so hard? Oh, I love that. I, that's, that's Adam Sandler, Bill Gates. Yeah. It's yeah. my, that's my that's goal me. is to, yeah, I want to get to that point where I can just be like, I guess this, sh- I don't know what this shirt costs. Right. It just is a white t-shirt. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm wearing it. Yeah. It's fine. I don't. It's fine. Yeah. Uh. That's like where uh, there's a, there's another late night writer that I get drinks with a lot. And we uh, go, t- we always go to like fancy hotel lobbies and just mm-hmm. wear hoodies <laughs> because it's like, wow. you can, uh, look we, rich. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's like that thing of like the other people there are all dressed up. So they can't tell if we are poor right. or rich. So it's like, you, hey man, you have to assume I might be that rich. Also, yeah, you're celebrity. I'm not. Yeah, but, you <laughs> but if you're in a hoodie, it's like this could be a tech guy, right? Yeah. Right, and, and it's you great. Have the tech guy glasses. And, yeah. Who knows? And then we're there for three hours, being like, ah, the fucking Knicks. Yeah. And like, I don't know what if these guys going? are rich. No, he's giving me poor energy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of screaming, <laughs> and not at an intern. <laughs> right. It's very uppity. Big poor yeah. energy. I am the uppityest <laughs> of uppity people. It never turns out well for me. <laughs> That's their oh. word. Uh, Ariel, what's eating you? Did you uh, come I, around I figured to? it out. Okay, well. Yeah, um, it has nothing to do with anything, but here I go. I go have a Google phone. <laughs> and people hate me for it. Yeah, people hate me from good. being from New Jersey, but people hate me more for having a Google phone. I cannot 
get your iMessages. I can't. I can't even send you photos. You can't send me photos or videos. If you send me a video, it looks like a surveillance video. It doesn't look good. It gets uh, it compresses the file, so it looks like shit. So. I'm alone on this island with my yeah. Google phone, but it does take nice pictures, and you know people should respect me and my my phone. It <laughs> it still works. You know, an iPhone at this point for three years it would have been dead. Sure, so That's it true. still works. Or you would have shattered it's, it. I would have shattered it. Hasn't shattered. It's doing its best work right now, and I'm tired of people making fun of me for it. It's That's just like, not compatible with anything. It's compatible with me. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm tired of this. Your phone is like the Beto O'Rourke phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, it's good. It's, it's good. It's so well good. Intentioned. I swear. It just needs to run for Senate. Yeah. You know? just, <laughs> and then just people will respect down. it. Right. right. <laughs> if it was just a camera, it, we'd all be so happy. <laughs> You're doing great. Exactly. Uh, Best camera right. in Texas. It's it flew camera. too close to the sun. It did. It, you know? uh, and in that, it has strong points on gun control, but you know, that's not enough. <laughs> it just turns out that white phones can only fail up so far. <laughs> Are you coming up on a new contract? Can you change phones soon? I can. But it, Get it, the iPhone but it's, 11. It's not broken. Uh, I, isn't it, there, is there another, should, other than Google and Apple, is there like a third? There's a Samsung. There's okay. Samsung. Yeah. There I think are that's other what some like of my Androids. Yeah. Have, they have Android phones. But out of, right. out of the Android, this is the best The Google one. phone is the best reviewed. It's like on par usually with like Apple's new thing. But nobody If you cares. tweet about China, <laughs> does it just delete as soon as <laughs> yes, you write it? Yeah. Yes. And when I try to Google things, it works. But when I try to Google things on my Apple, it uh, bings. It bings right. instead. Wow. And I yeah. The reason why it's compressing everything is it's Google stealing the data. Yeah, yeah. And taking our faces and yes. running it through their facial recognition sure. software. That's probably it. And then putting it on your phone. That's a thousand percent what's happening. Yeah. My FBI agent is not too happy about all the things <laughs> I've been doing. I'll tell you what. The agent assigned to your phone. <laughs> the agent is, I've got two agents because i got a Google phone. Oh, my God. There he is. Mass surveillance. Spooky. <laughs> That's, that's what's eating me. That's what's eating I'm you. just tired of being made fun of. I'm tired of. I just want to be respected. It's just hard to remember that whenever I send you photos of our stuff, is I have to. I'm like, please can you email, email it? it to, yeah, yeah, please email it to me. It's a it's a whole process. It's it a sucks. whole thing. I, yeah, I'm annoying. Back to Greg, our illustrious guest. Yes. Um, so you went through NBC's late night writers program. Yes. In 2016. Okay, I was the 18 class. Um, what did you think of that? Did you feel like it prepared you? Because you eventually did get a job in late night. You uh, wrote at Colbert for you. you for just year, ended yeah. the yeah. I just time ended. There? I just ended there, and it's uh, I was there for a year and a half. Okay, awesome. Um, and I uh, yeah, I did the workshop in 2016, and that was uh, it was great. I had been in Chicago doing comedy at Second City, and uh, and then out I was out in L.A. Uh, just doing as much stuff as I could, and I think it was like the third or fourth year I had applied. But then got it in 2016, and for me it was great because one, it's a it's a validation from the industry of saying like, oh, this person has some good stuff. Right. But the connections that I made there, I still talk to now. So 100%. the executives and people that I knew there, I mean, I really met um, a person who's basically been my mentor through the whole rest of my career. I met there, and uh, and so it's been extraordinarily helpful that way, both as kind of like a resume check, but also learning the other parts of it, like like sitting down and having to explain jokes to executives and mm. understanding how you're going to get things past censors and realizing that your host just won't do certain things. All of that was really important to learn yeah, as well. Yeah, I think same for me because I think you get to a point where everyone's funny in comedy and they teach you like, okay, now you have to write to this voice and write uh, under a huge time constraint, write like you can't just make fun of certain brands because they could be a sponsor. Like right. you learn the business yeah. side of comedy, yeah. Which I think, if you want a job in late night or on any show, 
you have to learn. You kind of don't really know what the rules are before you're in that system. Yeah, it's that's where you learn the part where it's like, this is to sell commercials. Yeah, it is still a job. <laughs> yes. yeah. and you, that's what you forget when yeah. you're doing stand-up. You're like, oh, I'm just having fun. Everything's no. great. Yeah. Stand-up like, is not oh. a thing. We're there to distract people into buying two drinks. Yes. That's what stand-up <laughs> that is. is. That is. There's still a business yeah. happening in the background. Yeah, for sure. That's why people are like, how is Shane Gillis still getting spots? Because he's still distracting people He's selling these to drinks. To buy drinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter that he's racist. He has seven minutes. He's got pole, baby. Right? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, so I um so I did all that, and then uh, the late night workshop really opened up like the window to just putting in packets everywhere. Yeah, um, I think the your same mentors are also mine, and they were like, "You got to talk to Greg; he's great." Oh, that's good yeah. to hear. Yeah, that's um, good because once you're in this, basically, it's like this fraternity of writers. They're like, "Here's some people in New York that you might want to reach out to," and I've only heard good things about you. You're a nice dude. I think we're similar. We're like chubby married dudes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Comedy. Oh, insult the guest. Insult the guest. Insult the guest. Ah, that hurt. I'm like right. I, I hopefully I'm on the right on the. I'm on the like hopefully right on the confusing edge. Oh, I think. There we go. Yeah. Maybe Everyone, maybe chubby maybe. You're just, on the thin side of chubby. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Who I'm, likes Greg's body? Me. Our studio. I'm softed. That's what right, I'm, I'm projecting. I'm sorry. I'm projecting. Um, I feel like we're both in really good shape. For comedy. Yeah, you're both yeah, in really good shape. Just, you know yeah. what? It's like my son is alive and healthy, and Hell I yeah. keep him around. And so if I, I'm gonna tr- I say that I'm trading that for working out. There Same. And also, I feel like if we worked out, we wouldn't be funny anymore. Yeah. Oh, I think I could be hot and funny. <laughs> yeah. I no, the be... hotter you get, that's it's a proven fact. The hotter you get, the less funny you are. So right now, I am not fucking funny. <laughs> Have you seen how hot I am? <laughs> my guys. When the podcast started, Ariel was funnier than she is yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was 30 pounds heavier. I was so much yeah. funnier. Wow. 30 pounds ago? Yeah. Woo! I mean, she could light up a room. (laughs) I mean, uh, at that point, I might might just make a transition away from comedy. I'll do the Chris Pratt where it's like, I'm being funny, but in a serious movie. Ooh, that's smart. That's my new move. Thank you so much. You are my mentor. I just want to get to that place where someone's like, here's a pile of money to have a flat stomach. I can go, I will take that. I can do that. The dream. Wow. You really tapped into that. (laughs) But I've only heard awesome things about you, and people were like, you need to talk to Greg and meet Greg. Um, so did, you felt like the program really helped you enter this world to be able to submit to stuff and eventually uh, be validated enough to get an interview and then a job at Colbert. Yeah, yeah. And it was it's just that thing of um, what also helped was spending all that time in Chicago meeting people because at all those shows now, it, there's all people that know each other from back in the day. Like, you know, there are people I know at late night shows who I met in 2011. Oh. And that we were doing shows where we were literally on the street begging people to come right. to our show, being like, I will pay for your ticket. Yeah. I just don't want them to cancel the show that we worked on. You know, because when I was in Chicago, I did we did a late night news hour that I uh, co-created and then produced and head wrote and, you know, and was in. And uh, and we would like spend a week making an hour of sketch comedy about the news. So we're like, we're going to put this on for anyone. Just yeah. please, anybody get in here. You want to flex that muscle, right? right. Like, yeah. I want to put these these jokes out because they're only going to last so long. Yeah. Yeah. And the people who were doing that kind of work are the people that are now working in there. television. In television right? is yeah. like all of them are people who you were like, whoa, you're insanely <laughs> like you're just going to do this like yeah. and you would do it for free. So that is uh, the cool thing. It seems like uh if you're around the right group of people, you all move up together at the same time. So I, I feel like you must have felt that too, right? As these people were starting to get hired, you were moving in that direction as well. Yeah, and it's it's. I think the, I there's 
there is some importance, I think, with like figuring out your career and like meeting people for the right reason. But my philosophy has just kind of been like, do the right thing no matter what, because it's the right thing. And then also just be nice to everybody because you want to be their friend. Right. And then if if that does like that's why I don't really believe in networking because networking is is so about people like using each other. It's really and gross. it's like I will I meet everyone with the hope of like we're gonna be friends. At the end of this we'll be friends and we'll text and we'll yeah. hang out. And yeah. it'll, it'll be great. And some people are like, uh, I'm a mean bad person. <laughs> Screw you. And that sucks. And then some people are also just like, Cool, I just don't want to be friends with you. And right. I have and I'm like, Okay, that's fine. So you're saying the trick is to be genuine? That's like, <laughs> No, he's like, <laughs> what the fuck? We didn't come on the show for this shit. This is not advice. You earn it would Arizona. Be, it would just be so much I know, worse. This is so Arizona. Me. This is not what I came here for. Oh, hell no. Uh, I love riding coattails and networking and making fake friends. Give me more uh, of that shit. It would just take me so much effort to do that right. that I'm like, it's just easier to just be like, it's fine. And then every so often someone's a dick to you and you're like, right. whatever. Yeah. Okay, that's your loss. Um, And it, seemed like from what i've heard everything happened for you like very quickly right uh or at the same time you had a baby and then like very shortly thereafter you got colbert yeah so i got all and you were moving from chicago to new york i was so i was in la and we'd been in la um and we were thinking about coming back to new york because it was like it's not like you know news satire and that kind of headline based stuff does not play as well in la right no insult to them but it's there's other the industry stuff works more talking about pop culture yeah. and then new york is so like news headlines politics so all the stuff i was pitching out there was not really taking and we thought let's go back to new york and then my uh wife who is a flight attendant and she's many other things she's not just a flight attendant but uh she was working a flight uh, and on a wednesday she called me and was like I am pregnant. And wow. we were like, Whoa. oh, my God. Like, we were, like, freaking out. Yeah. But then, and then, like, after that, I was like, oh, no, I ran out of time to pursue my dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so all Thursday, I freaked out. Did you kind of think, now I have to just get a real yes. job? I was like, I'm going to sell vacuum pumps. Fuck. You know, like, I'm going to be. That's yeah. what sucks about comedy is, like, we're really good at a thing that's really hard to work full time in. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, it's just, like, I have to be in sales. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to have to do something else. I don't know what I'm going to do. But uh, I gave it a shot. And then... That was Thursday, and then Friday they called and That's they hired amazing. me. Wow! Holy so shit. what you're saying is I so need to impregnate my wife. Yes, your <laughs> dreams can come true. Let if you me just come inside of you. <laughs> Take the IUD out. <laughs> and well, oh. we were very much like like it's the baby that'll do. <laughs> we we were. I will say, having a baby, uh, getting a very intense dream job, and then having a baby is very difficult to sure. do both things yeah. the first Sounds year. Pretty yeah. difficult. It's like you're doing two life changing, huge Mount Rushmore events at the same time, <laughs> and you're trying to have enough human energy to do both and sleep and live. And your wife, obviously, couldn't, like, flight attendant is a very high-intensity job. Yeah. So she couldn't just be, like, in an office, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was, like, so it was all a lot. And I think um, the thing that helped with us was was getting to a point where we were, like, we didn't, we weren't waiting to have a kid until a perfect time. The same way we didn't get mar- wait to get married at a perfect time. Like, there's a lot of, uh, you know... Like there's a lot of talk of like millennials or whatever of like putting off things and and I don't know if I'm millennial. I was born in '84. I think of myself I think as you might be. I'm like at the very beginning of the, it. You're one of these like in between. I people. feels like yeah. an in betweener because I yeah. remember the Berlin Wall falling. Mm-hmm. But but that that aside, like we met and we're like I've we've both dated a lot of people and none of them were as good as this and we do not fight and then get back together and fight like yeah. So let's just do this mm-hmm. and that was like seven <laughs> or eight months in and we were like. Let's go. And it's been great. 
and we've been married five years. Awesome. That and is it's the... been fucking great because it was like, oh man, that's it, it works. Yeah. That you know? is the plot of Let's Get Married by 112. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> we ain't getting no young. We might as we well, might as well do, this. do this. Yes. Oh, no, it was Jagged Edge. My bad. Meet me at the altar. In your yeah. White dress. Also, they did not, not a lot of planning. Why not go together? <laughs> yeah. Meet me, me there. The Why? Meet me there. Yo, yo, hit me up. I guess it was the 90s. Yes. It was and the 90s. Really... The things were crazy. It's fine. There yeah. weren't. There wasn't Uber. There wasn't. So it was no. just like, hey, I'm gonna. Be I'll home. see you there. Yeah. See you at the church. Take a cab. I guess text him. Oh, well, there's not texting. There so. was a lot no. of like trust. Yeah. Yeah. A lot more trust. Yeah. A lot more then. trust back then. Things were different. Mm-hmm. Things were really different. If you told someone I'm gonna be here at eight, you couldn't just flake. Now you can flake. Yeah. Well, you have to call the restaurant. Right. You have to right. call them. And go, oh, could you look for the sad person sitting by themselves <laughs> and tell them that I'm gonna be I'm late? Sick. Ah. Yeah. And I can't even Venmo them money, no. so they're gonna they're, pay for it. Oh, it sucks. Well, I kind of want to get into. Like, so you said you were adopted. Yes. What kind of foods did your adopted parents make you? Did they kind of take from all cultures? Because it sounds like they were all over the place. Yes. With their, and you, fish farm, tell me things. Okay, so they, um, <laughs> yeah, my parents met in Ecuador. My dad grew up in the Philippines, um, and and my mom grew up in LA. My dad grew up in Buffalo, New York, so they're, they're from all over. Yeah. But we did a lot of... Um, both of them worked. And so my mom worked on the weekends. Dad worked during the week. Okay. So weekends with dad was a lot of like pizza, macaroni, and cheese. Like, let's just do right. dad with two kids right. food where dad he's things. like, you guys like this? We're eating it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Easy. Let's go. Enjoy. Right, right. Um, hot dog. Like, uh, yeah, just cut up hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Or... So you have a sibling? Yes. Yes. Well. I, have a si- a, I have a sister who's two years younger. Uh, adopted as yeah. well? Adopted, not re- adopted, but not blood related. Right, right, right. So, gotcha. Um, so you have this cool, blended, very like, Modern American family. Yeah, and it was very, and in the 80s, it was very crazy right. to yeah. be like two black kids with white parents, mm-hmm. and yeah. everyone's like, oh, did you kidnap these children? <laughs> <Right. You know? laughs> um, and so, but but we would, uh, we, I grew up eating mostly, for the first couple of years, Korean food. Amazing, that's my, like the best food. Yeah, my dad and that's was, what you would cook? No, my dad was in a master's program with a guy, and so what they would do is they would like, um, like double- babysit or whatever so okay. then when my mom was working i would stay with this korean mom and her son wow and um and i would just eat whatever she made and they were like they were they had ju- they had come to america right so she was making korean korean food and that was all that was what i ate every Holy day shit, that's amazing and so delicious yeah. i grew up um loving that and my parents would come back and my dad would call it dragon breath because which i guess is kind of a little racist but <laughs> I, mean, uh, I cut him a break because he had a black oh, kid man. in the 80s yeah, and he grew up I in don't asia care. Oh, and the first time someone called me the n-word he threw that kid's bike on the roof of our house Hell yeah. Yeah. boom yeah, hold on hold on <laughs> yes applause yeah. for your dad but dragon breath dragon breath not great <laughs> so <laughs> we get it's a 50 50 it's a mix, <laughs> it's a mix. <laughs> Um, but he tried his best, and I think his heart was in the right place. Yes, and it was, but it was also because he would pick up like a two-year-old baby who would then burp right, right, a day's right. worth of Korean food in his face, yeah, and okay, he would okay. be like, "I and don't love that this." To is be happening. fair, as an Asian, Dragon Breath is not the worst thing I've ever heard. No, <laughs> it's not that bad. Yeah, uh, I would like to be called Dragon <laughs> Breath by and, a racist person. Yeah, and he. Uh, Please, <laughs> and so, I, but growing up doing that, it was like spicy food. Loved it since mm-hmm. then, yeah. and then I love Korean food. And so we grew up eating that, and then we would make that, and then um, a bunch of, and then seaweed was like huge mm-hmm. in our house, but just the sheets, yeah, like just the salty, salty crunchy sheets, sheets. As well. yep. just boom. Here's a sheet of seaweed. Yeah. Why don't you eat this? Yeah, or yep. here, wrap a, a hot dog up. Yeah, in it. Yeah. yeah, right, something like that. Um, and then a lot of tortilla, like hot dogs, featured heavily. Like sure. wrap <laughs> a hot dog up in a tortilla. Boom, yeah. that's done. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that, and then like we didn't have a lot of 
staples necessarily. Mm. Like it was a lot of very early on. It was like make your own dinner, make your own right. food, throwing stuff together. Yeah, yeah well rounded. Yeah, and we and we ate uh, so much Mexican food because also because both my parents lived in uh, Latin America, they both spoke fluent Spanish, mm. and we would just go to places where you maybe had to speak Spanish. Right. And they would go in, order in Spanish, talk to the cook, blah, 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 you know, be right. real chill. Maybe even get stuff that wasn't on the menu. Yes. Right. And so they were very much, because it was these two people walked in, but then their Spanish was so good <laughs> that you were like, oh, <laughs> and you could see the relax. Black kids, they're like, this family is wild. We love yes. them. Yeah. Yeah. Or it would be the thing where people would be talking shit Oh, and, and then my dad would wait yes. and wait and wait, and then he would turn and say something to the waiter and you in Spanish, and they'd be like, oh, their heart would oh. just drop. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like, no, they knew because yeah. they don't look like they can speak Spanish. <laughs> right. Sounds like your parents are too woke for their own good. Yeah, my parents so were. They, they like were invented crazy. wokeness. <laughs> they were pre woke. Yeah. Pre woke. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, they also so they wanted to adopt, and in the 1980s. The they they wanted to adopt a kid and the waiting list for a white boy was five years Whoa. and the waiting list for a black boy was zero years. Can you take one today? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have one in the back. Yeah. And they were and so they were like, That's, who cares? That's fine. Yeah. A kid's a kid. Yeah. How old wow. were you when you um went home to your adoptive parents? Six days old. Oh, so you were oh, very okay. young. So yeah. okay. Like That's, those are your parents. Yeah, yes. Right. Although I know both my birth parents. Oh, I met okay. them later in life. And uh, yeah, I, I still talk to both of them and know them now, awesome. which is really weird. And they're not together. No, no, no. Right. Okay. No. Um, but Do they my... live over in Arizona? No, no. Because I was born in Kansas. Okay, okay. And my mom's still in Kansas and my dad lives in Brooklyn. Oh, right. <laughs> your, your biological father. Yes. Wow. That's, <laughs> very weird. That's weird. Yeah. You ever yeah. go out for drinks with your dad? Yeah, sometimes. Wow. Uh, he, it was me and him and then my wife. We all went out, and she wow, was like, wow. "She was like, that was very weird." Yeah, because no, we look and sound the same. Whoa! And you did not grow up with weird. him. That's yeah. weird. It's very nature nurture, like a yeah. weird control experiment to be like. Both my biological parents were writers, mm -hmm. and my wow. adoptive parents were uh, a nurse and an right. engineer. And then I became a writer. That's cool. You know, wow. it's like those kinds of weird right. things where you uh, you had no idea cool. that you no because I met yeah. my birth mom when I was thirteen and my dad when I was like twenty three or four right. and so it's really weird as a 20 as like a guy in your mid-20s to meet an adult that looks and sounds just like you who you've never met before Fucking wild yeah and it's like and also they were in high school so he's like 18 years older than me wow. so he's not young. he's yeah. not young. Yeah. old cool yeah. Dad. Yeah. yeah like and so then you're like this is weird yeah <laughs> this is like a little bit alternate version yeah. of yeah bizarro it's like you. looper yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like a looper, and then you're like, "Do huh. I have to kill you?" Yeah. <laughs> what happens? Does it come back to me if I do it to myself? Does yeah. the scar show up on you? Right. I don't know. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Yeah. So my wife and I are thinking about adopting one day because, like, why have your own kid when there's like kids who need Love to be that adopted? Energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she works in foster care, so she sees it every day of how fucking horrible some circumstances are. Um, how did you feel? Growing up adopted, was it like something that was conflicted in your life or did you like just it was your life and you didn't know any different? I mean, I think what helped was the interracial aspect of it mm -hmm. because there was never a surprise. Like my parents told this have told the story about when I was like two or three and I was like, I don't I don't look like you. Oh, so you, you like I was like, we're it. different colors. Right. And oh, then okay. being like, yes, because blah, blah, blah. And it was always communicated to me like you're. You know, your birth mom loved you and whatever, but she couldn't keep you, so she gave you okay. us and da da da. And so I'm sure there's a bunch of trauma in there that I'll unlock when I can turn it into a Netflix series. But, <laughs> uh, but, or, yeah, yeah. but until then, it was like it was it was good, and I always knew, and I was fine. Uh -huh. And the thing is, I had a very good life. Okay. Uh, growing up there, I had a lot of opportunities. Like 
I was homeschooled there. I got to skip high school and go straight to college. Like I got to do a lot of things that were fun and cool and different. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'd stayed knowing my birth parents now, you it know, it would have been a harder life. Yeah. And yeah. I would have, my, my mom would have had to be a single mom and right. going to yeah. college and doing all these things. And right. so instead, you know, now we're all back together again. I mean, my birth mom came and, uh, hung out with me and my son and she got to like oh, hold her grandson who's like the age that I was when she had to give me away and it was oh, this whole you know oh, it's yeah. this whole Full circle, circle yeah. coming yeah. back and I'm like here babysit please I gotta go <laughs> I know? got things to do yeah babysit this baby <laughs> yeah for this 30 <laughs> for this years worth of, of guilt yeah. <laughs> you owe me 20 years of presents <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. oh that's great to hear then man because that's the thing we kind of don't want our own kid my wife you know it's really hard on a woman's body Number one. Yeah, I, uh, my so wife hurt, is a so champ. Right. She's a champion. And my wife is a nurse, so she knows exactly what the fuck happens. Yeah. And she's just seen a lot of destroyed vaginas, I think. Yeah, I don't know why people do it. <laughs> so, I'll tell you what. And she works in foster care, so she knows that a lot of kids are in need. So we're like, maybe we'll just adopt when we're 40 and like live out our 20s and 30s like having fun and then have kids. We can just be like, that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, ideal situation, yeah. I think. Yeah, there's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like at some point it was like those parents are my parents too, yeah, and so it's yeah. like I think of it of having like four. It's not like I think some are real and some yeah, are not. Right. Like, no, right. they're and definitely was, your parents. And it was great. And it was it that's was cool. uh, it was you know I think of it as like adoption is uh, I think in the eighties nineties there was like adoption the caring option and right. they, they, yeah. but it's the second best thing mm-hmm. that you can have, but that's still better than all of them but one. Yeah. So it's like adoption is not the optimal situation. The optimal situation is your parents and it works out and they right. can take care of you and everything is fine. But the second best is adoption, which is still better than a lot of other things kids really have to go mm-hmm. through. So yeah, so it's not perfect, but I still, you know, I'm all about people adopting and yeah. cool. I love it. Okay, great. Yeah. I love the advocacy. Yeah, on and this you're pod. like super nice and normal. So. Yeah, you're a normal person. <laughs> so now I feel less weird about like maybe wanting to adopt one day. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, oh you, you came does. out normal, you write for, <laughs> you're right, you're yeah. a writer for you're a TV successful. show. You're yeah. ha- you have your own now. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I well, pregnancy is insane because Cat, uh, uh, Cassie was twenty-seven weeks pregnant, and we went around the world wow. on a vacation because we had promised that would be our honeymoon, and right. then like four years later, we finally got to do it. Right, and it was uh, we went uh, east till we got back. Wow. So like, we York? went from here, to, uh, here to uh, London, uh, to Paris, to Tokyo, to L.A., to here. Wow. Around. And she was 27 weeks pregnant. That's wild. She is Massive heat wave in Tokyo. Oh. It was crazy. Oh Did she have fun at least? She had fun. Okay. Tokyo, it was hard because it was like, it's 110 degrees and you're pregnant and it's all raw fish. <laughs> and she was like, ha, I'm, I'm going to barf up all this food. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I was just like, I'm so sorry that this uh, is all happening now. But oh still had fun and had a good time. And, um... You know, and, and yeah, it was it was a very fun thing. We have to one day go the other direction to like undo Jesus. it. Gotcha. You know, so would you, and you would bring your child. Yes. Also? Yeah, yes. I would love to go back to Japan, especially with yeah. uh, my son. Um, the Olympics are next summer. And yeah. that would be, oh, I, I'm really trying to go. We yeah. went to cool. the Korea Olympics for one, two days. Okay. This is so wild, man. Yeah, we have, wild I feel dude. like we have so much in common because my wife and I love the Olympics as well. Um, we're both comedy writers. I think there's just this weird thing of certain people are drawn to the same shit. Yeah, it's like you when you find those kinds of things interesting, there must be like sub-themes exactly or something in it right. that, that yeah. jumps intersection out somewhere. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I'm okay, intersectional. It's okay. So then in your, in your home, who's the chef? Um, my mom was a cook of efficiency, 
Okay. In, or of utility, maybe, in the sense that it was not like I'm trying all these new interesting things. Well, I think I'm later. these kids fed. Yeah, yeah later yeah. in life. I mean, she was doing so much, too. Homeschooling us and working as an OBGYN nurse and like wow. and doing, you know, and all this. And then my dad worked all the time. But um, but also when I think once we were out of the house, I saw that she was more and more um, would like try cooking things. So like the first time I ever cooked a duck. Or like saw that done, she was like, "I'm gonna try roasting a duck. I've never done it before," and like had to experiment and do that stuff. Right. Um, but there was a lot of the the things that I picked up cooking wise that were great for them were a lot of like mise en place and like have it, planning it all out ahead of time, uh, read the whole recipe. No, mm-hmm. so I am very much like uh, all when I cook, I'm very much like I want this to be as efficient as possible. I want to I want to know how I'm doing everything the mm-hmm. best. Like I want to get better at night. And you skills. like clean as you go. And or and at least be like, okay, so when before when I'm done cooking and before I eat, the goal is that things are cleaned right. up. Yeah. And just and then also getting into the point of experimenting more mm-hmm. and more. So um my wife and I restaurants were our entire dating experience was yeah. going to restaurants. We're both poor in New York. We would walk past places for 30, 40 minutes and be like, look at the menu. No, look at the menu. No, mm-hmm. whatever. And go try new things. Um, and now we try to do a lot of that at home in terms of just getting enough ingredients that we know we like and saying, well, how can I tweak this or do this or mess with this, you know? Yeah. And, and make things better. That's awesome. So man. you cook together a lot of the time? Uh, a lot. Of, I cook a lot because I like it. And also I feel like I like food less when I didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not a good judge of if it's good. This is like a sad confession slash apology <laughs> to my wife right now. Of like that it's like if somebody else makes it, I'm like, I might have done it differently. Right. And right. it's like it's just me being, you know, but a little, a little do you guys like have that, people over and you cook for them? Sometimes we okay. do. We usually have people over for drinks. Gotcha. Because that's easier. You're like, yeah. hey. Do you make cocktails? Uh, uh, no, it's mostly like, do you want alcohol with ice? <laughs> yeah, I have that. Or that's what we I'll got, open a beer. Yeah, or a beer. Um, uh, but like, we have staples that we go to. So like roast chickens, we roast a ton of chickens, okay. whole chickens. And we and it's that thing of like, just trying to perfect it. Yes. So it's like, mm. we know it's good, we're perfecting it. Or we do pasta with a rouse arrabbiata sauce. And that we will eat that twice a week. Okay. What is that? And Rouse sauce is from Rouse restaurant, like way up. Oh, the in Rouse. Rouse. Um, oh yeah, that's so the best. That sauce, sauce is so good. And then we have pasta, and we will make just that. And mm-hmm. then we just tweak. So it's like maybe we cook the pasta a little longer, mm-hmm. or maybe I put garlic in, and we're just messing with it because we love it, and mm-hmm. we're just trying to just what's our perfect like hit of it. Gotcha. And with a roast chicken, yeah. this was the best thing. So in L.A., we're in this old Art Deco apartment that these two directors are renting out, and they have a. Uh, stove from 1951 that has a gas rotisserie in it. What? Whoa. So you could just make a delicious chicken. So you could chicken. put a chicken. So yeah. we buy a whole chicken, stick it on the rotisserie, stick it in there 45 minutes oh later. It's a God. rotisserie chicken and it's not overcooked. It's not mushy like a the dream. Oh my God. It's fatty and juicy and it's what? marinating itself because oh. it's turning. Oh no. And so I, w- I would get crazy oh. where I'd be like, okay, I brined it for 24 <laughs> yes. hours yes. Oh and I God. put garlic yes. under the skin uh-huh, and now I'm like uh-huh. putting butter pads here and I'm right, doing this right, right. and I would just mess with everything oh, I could. God. Oh my gosh. It was, oh. I that that is my number one dream kitchen. To number have one thing is having rotisserie? a gas rotisserie. Yeah. Wow. Did not know I needed that. that. Oh, and now I feel like I'm never making chicken again if I don't have one. It's so good because you're just like, it literally is just stick. You like can't have the store bought shit it. anymore. There's no, no way. No, right? because that yeah. just it falls apart. It's right. cooked so yeah. long. Like if I could buy and it's it been right, sitting out. Yeah. yeah. If I could go to the guy, if I knew the the guy or girl like running the butcher shop mm-hmm. at like a grocery store, and I could say like one pull one right off and hand it to me, I'd buy it. Yeah. But the ones that sit there, it's just you have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. You can't even like oh make God. good chicken tacos out of it. No. Because when you bite in, it's just. 
Yeah, it's dry. Just yeah. the skin's fucked up and wrinkly. Yeah, yeah it's no good. And I mean, it, yeah, it's overcooked. It's a utility yeah. food. It's there. You yeah. eat it. It's, it's eight not, bucks. You can grab you know, it and, and it's go. Done. It's meant yeah. to be eaten over the sink in its own package. <laughs> <laughs> your, wife, just, your wife just like, left you. Your kids are yeah. screaming. Half Fuck of it's it. for you. The other half's for them. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's the way Jesus that, Christ. like, as a parent, you've de- we've definitely learned how to huff down food where it's sure. like, just each of us take a half and a fork and you're like, yeah, ah, yeah, yeah, ah, yeah. okay, good. Take care of the kid. We technically ate. Right. <laughs> um, so growing up, I, I, I am a huge fan of your Twitter. I saw, like, um, you're a fan of Saturday Night Live. Did you grow up? I was very precocious. And didn't have a lot of friends for a long time, so comedy was like my friend. Were you similar, or did you have a lot of friends, or were you kind of like quiet and nerdier and just contemplative? I'd like to say that you look cool and like you had friends. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Because I've... he's called you fat and friendless <laughs> oh, on this God. pod already. And... I've successfully... <laughs> Sorry. I, I've I'm successfully projecting. recovered from what I was like as a kid in the sense that I, um, I was... The, I learned comedy from my parents, mm-hmm. and I learned to appreciate comedy from my parents because my mom is a really hard laugh. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so to get her to laugh was a win. It and feels so, to so do good, that right? was yeah. okay. And so there was, but then my dad loved comedy, um, and a lot of stuff that clearly has influenced me. So we watched Letterman and mostly Conan. We watched a ton of Conan mm-hmm. together, but like Peter Sellers movies, a lot of those, like a lot, of, like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a lot of nice. weird yeah. stuff yeah. that isn't necessarily the like mainstream um, stuff yeah. you would see on and you hear TV, from like every yeah. comedy writer i think has a different place that they're coming from but th- there was a lot of that like kind of more absurd and outside the box yep. and things being weird stuff that that we were we were into um but i grew up in a, i was in a small town in arizona and i'm homeschooled and i'm black in arizona right. and like there's without school there's not a lot of socializing and it's the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s sure. so there's not a lot of like now if you homeschool like we're gonna homeschool our son like there's a million clubs, and you still have you still are around kids right. a bunch mm-hmm. of the day. But we didn't have that, so I got huge into books and reading and doing that. And so I think books are a huge part. I was yeah. a voracious reader, but com- but what's weird is I was reading a lot of comedic books mm-hmm. that I think were for adults. Like I read all the Dave Barry books, and like whatever he is now, it's like when you're nine and you're like, there's crazy jokes in here. Yeah, right? and then like Patrick McManus who like writes all these like hunting things about like oh I got stuck in a bear trap <laughs> and just all this stuff that like I would I would listen to that um, and read that the Red Green show that was on PBS which is this weird Canadian show of two people in a hunting lodge <laughs> just like it was just intaking stuff and my parents never they would gate it for maybe like uh, like content in terms of yeah. maturity yeah. but but it being designed for kids was not right we never watched like Disney Channel didn't watch any of that yeah. it was always right. watching like adult comedy and being like you can catch up the expectation is on yeah, you I right, to get these jokes five years old and watching wayne's world and watching it now as an adult it's like why the fuck did they <laughs> play this for me mm-hmm. these jokes are like they're making jokes about like consumerism and like, like yeah. commenting on the like, culture at the time as a five-year-old my brother was three like why did you play this for oh us? man i mean <laughs> i mean the same i was watching like living color yeah. and stuff and i'm like i definitely did not understand what's no, happening but i love but it. i was yeah. the dancing <laughs> there's just enough for you to laugh because you still understand like these guys are weird and goofy yeah yeah, yeah. so you can understand it on that level yeah. and then eventually you watch it enough you kind of understand like there's a reason why this is funny. Well, it's like right. uh, the the cartoons that we gravitated towards were like Animaniacs, right? And like that, like that kind of stuff that right. was subversive. Still smart, yes. yes. Freakazoid, yeah. like these things that were. And weird as you get older, you learn the background of that writing staff. It's like, oh, they weren't making this like just for kids. Oh no, right. yeah, they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. I got, they definitely were do, pushing the limit as mm-hmm. much as they could. Right. So yeah, so we got. I got really into that, and then the thing is, is I um 
I got into, I was in, started college when I was 13 and I was a community college oh, as a 13 year old. So there's You're a lot of a fucking freak, this, dude. This, <laughs> this, <laughs> this <laughs> life you've lived. So there's a lot of weird socialization stuff that had to happen really fast. Yeah. And so I got involved in like my church youth group mm-hmm. at like 14 and I spent a year just like sitting back and watching and being like, oh, this is how humans right, interact. Right, I need right. to learn. Like, and I, no one knew who I was. Mm-hmm. And by the time I finished, when I was 18 and I left that youth group, the last night I was there, I got carried out on people's shoulders while they chanted Greg. And that is like a very kind of decent thing to say. Because you learned how to but be I had a learned human. How to, yeah. Yes, I and learned how to be friendly and likable yeah. and do those things. Right. Because it was like, oh, wait, I can perform yeah. and I can make people laugh. Right. And so then it became yeah. the thing. And those two things happening at once, learning how to try to be popular and excelling in school mm-hmm. really fused what my ethos is that, that then kind of gravitated towards my comedy heroes, which right. is if you're getting an A in the class, then if you dick uh, around, the teacher can't get mad at you. Because you're, mm-hmm. you're like, you make them laugh. Yeah, because you're like, yeah. I'm passing the class. What else are you asking? So right. I'm going right. to do whatever I want because I'm already beating your expectations. Yes. Right. So now you cannot get mad at me by your own rules. And that kind of like, like fuck the man because I'm playing the man's game and yes. doing it better than he wants me to do it. Mm. That became such an ethos that right. you saw. That's why Conan immediately became like a North Star because – as much as there's weird comedy now, the reason that we need 1230 style network comedy late night, weird network late night, like off kilter, crazy stuff is because it should feel like emotionally there has to be a place on TV that we watch and we feel like these people are stealing from a corporation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A giant mega corporation only has 24 hours of programming in a day. And they are one of these they're wasting on these insane people doing <laughs> yeah. insane yeah. things. Yeah. It ha- there has to be a place right. that feels like that. Fuck. I love that. Beautiful. I, see, I love that you look at it as like, I'm just doing this thing and I'm doing it really well. Like everything you do is very like wholesome sounding. And for me, I'm like, oh, this is a scam. The way I do it is like, I'm going to find my way to scam into this industry <laughs> and they're going to love it. But it's really, I, I kind of do the same thing. Like I'm getting the straight A's and I'm still dicking off. So, but we just look at it differently. Yeah, but, <laughs> You're just but a it, better person than well, I am. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but it is that thing of like, that That makes a, a definite flavor of comedy are people yeah. who like, I, I am this. I want to be the smartest person you know, doing the dumbest thing. Yes, you that's, that's what it that is. That is like my my ethos of what I. Hundred percent. I a, a, a black man has not hosted a late 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 network show since Arsenio. Right, and that was so long ago. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to stay up late to watch it. <laughs> so it is and time. Now, it is time yeah, for that to happen exactly. in this next era of whatever. Right. Like it is time for that to happen, and when that does happen, that's what I want to do: is to bring back that feeling mm-hmm. of a weird show that you discover like that you become a fan of can we have a fandom that isn't toxic can we have something right. like because the things that feel like that now are so tied up in weird like like i don't really know rick and morty i've never seen it but i know a lot of people who like it and they're a lot of them are really mean weird angry yeah, like right. incel, and it's uh, uh, yeah. tied <laughs> to like the incel ish yeah, yeah and so it's like so right. you, and like i love i love 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 star wars like i went to lucasfilm like i love it but there's a lot of people there who like there are a lot of fandoms that are toxic and it might just oh, be yeah. the internet fandom is but um you know can we can we get one of those that's inclusive that's yes. like when you find it you're like this is a weird club that they don't want you to know about that about but you're you get to be part of us yeah like we're and all in we're here. okay with women and we're okay yes. with <laughs> and all color. of us who get to yeah. feel weird and want to kind of like say like we're talented enough to screw mm-hmm. the system like we're all going to go hang out in this clubhouse and if you want to come in you can right. right instead of i think it's reactionary because when you are in one of those subgroups it feels like anyone different from me you want to reject because 
I guess for so long you felt ostracized for liking this weird thing, but you're exactly right. We need something weird that's like super inclusive. Yeah, because that's it's like the place it's, you want all be. it should be about is are you funny and are you being you? Right. And like if that's what it is, then then like if you watch a show that is diverse that has you know LGBTQ that ha- uh, people and has like men and women of color and has white people and has all kinds of different people from different backgrounds and all of them are doing stuff that they love and think is funny, you're gonna think. All of it's funny, right. but there might be this one thing that you really hit and identify with. Yeah. The one thing that you love. You know, right. Black Lady Sketch Show is so good. Yeah. And I love it. But also, like, I know that there's parts that are going to hit harder if you've had to live the experience yes. of being a black woman. Yeah. You know, yeah, when I watch. Uh, so what's funny for me is I watched the first episode and I was like, I don't think I like this show and I really want to like it so bad. I wanted to like it because there's nothing else like it out yeah. there. Um, but then the second show, the second episode really hit for me. There, there are moments that are just going to hit harder. But I do like that they're doing weird shit. Yeah. And, you know, they're not putting black women in a box. No. Because everyone thinks like this is how the, what we're going to laugh at and this is what we're going to do. No, they're like being aliens and listening to weird music. And I'm like, yes, this is uh, I'm into this. I can yeah. get I can. That's get that. what's so great about it is they're doing stuff that they think is funny, regardless of how right. they're seen. Right. So it's not. Well, we like I don't have to go make a sketch show and be like, well, it has to be a black man's sketch show or a black man's late night show. The way right. I talk about like I'm the kind of person who has zero progress towards actually hosting a late night show, <laughs> but wants to. Yes. Um. <laughs> But it's that thing of, I want to do a show that's white plus. Hmm. So, like, white culture is a dominant culture. It's, of course, appropriated and stolen from everybody else. But, mm-hmm. like, let's talk about white culture political things, about what's happening in Washington, about Trump, about all this stuff, about succession, which I think white people really love. They love it's it. Their, we love it, too. We oh. are white adjacent. Okay. Yeah. It's their well, official Ariel show. watches it. I've never seen it. You've never seen it? No. I've also I never we seen it. I can't. I can't. Oh, it's so good. I can't it get just, into it. It felt I'm like sorry. it hit all the right Twitter accounts where I was like, oh, this is the official whites show yeah. that oh, they no, all watch and go like, this is our meme now. Yeah. All of our references Game of Thrones ended. Yes. And, and then they're like, we need something. And they're like, we need a show that's the show. Right. No, I mean, I did just tell you I'm a terrible person. And really, it's it's just white people being terrible and rich. And I'm like, I could eventually be a white, rich, terrible person. Right, I guys? feel like I get the show without having seen it is the problem. I just my, I have well a hard done. time watching a show just about terrible people because yeah, I could just same. look at Earth and yeah. it's like I would like to watch something f- That's fair. more fun. You could watch it. The news. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. It's compelling with terrible people. <laughs> I don't like the crickets. My the crickets own? don't sound good. <laughs> yeah. They don't sound like actually they sound like no. a like a, a fast forward. Wheel. I think it might be a fast forward and I think it's not actually a cricket. Oh, I think maybe oh. you mislabeled it. It's a cricket hitting fast. It is, yeah. Let's let's pivot. Oh, there. Uh, uh, one last question. Oh, for Greg. okay. Just just about yeah. working in late night. Yes. Um. So obviously you've you were there for a year and a half. Yeah. What's it like getting the job, and then how do you feel now having left the show, going on to do your own stuff now? I mean, it's it's an incredible job, and it's incredible to and like also it's it was number one the entire time I was yep. there, which hey. was a very cool weird thing, you know. Not that like. Ratings are a weird no, mystery was, to me. It was definitely you. But yeah, it's it was kind of interesting. <laughs> I mean, it will be before and before and after, he came but. on. They were not number one. Uh, it was NBC, and then it kind of flips. Yeah, slowly. It, yeah, I think the thing that was really cool was like there are so many, it, so many people working so hard right. in all these different departments that you don't even know about when you're just working in comedy, mm-hmm. and then you meet someone who's like an incredible, not even like a like editing. There's things you know, like editing and directing those, but you meet like a guy who's like, I am a carpenter, like a union carpenter building sets, and you're like watching them do things you didn't think was right. were possible, and like that stuff, and just seeing how the machine works and how it takes so many people who are all so dedicated and work so hard that was very cool and fun and being part of this giant piece 
Um, like the research department was one that I loved talking to those people. And there's a whole team of people always doing research, looking at all the angles, taking in all these things and being able to walk in and be like, okay, this 25 page document just dropped about weird old constitutional law. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Yes, and I can explain it to you in two minutes. And you're just like, oh, wow. what is happening? Oh. You know, like that. Like Were that, these guys reading like so the cool. full Marlon? Oh yeah, report? like oh, and like they God. break it up into pages Jesus and like Christ. do like do that stuff. And they're just so you could just do a joke about it. Wow. Yeah, and, like <laughs> these people who are like doing that, or like the footage department yeah. that you're like, I remember there was like a commercial in the 1980s that had this kind of, and they're like, here it is, boom, or wow. or like or even when you're doing a live show and you're like, I need this line and this thing. Yeah, just the the speed and talent of the team Incredible. there is so. Wow. Incredible that there is never there's I don't know if there was ever a moment in a year and a half where someone was like, well, we can't we can't pull this off. Wow. Wow. It's you're just like, yeah, we're going to try. And and that that etho, ethos is so fun. Cool. And it was really cool. And then for me, you know, it was it was great to get to write jokes that much. Mm -hmm. And and I really enjoyed that. I got to be there during the midterms in the sense that I will look back at that historical moment and be like, I know where I was that night. Yeah. I know what it felt like I, to, to get to do that. And that was really cool. And just. Getting to uh, to do a lot of cool stuff and and having had the job was great because now it means I've done it yeah. before yeah. and so now it's the I it's like making your second album I think where you spend your whole life getting the first one you and, wanted it so bad yeah and yeah. then you get it and then you're like oh I got to do another one okay what is that gonna yeah, be I, right. I don't know what's that gonna look like yeah and the first one is like everything you ever had you put into it right. And that's why a lot of people's first album is like the greatest thing. Yeah. yeah. So are you, you're now in the spot. Slump, baby. Do you know the direction you want to go into next? I mean, I'm looking at a lot of stuff yeah. and um and pitching some things. I don't. I I love late night so much mm -hmm. that it's always tempting to go back right. to do more to do that stuff because I I love the the format and the medium and I I think it matters and I think that there is going to be a generational shift soon because I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, they're all all the people who are hosting are good and are funny, but I don't know it, from a capitalism standpoint if in ten years you can do another round of white men. Right. Just from a capitalist market standpoint, mm -hmm. I don't right. know if like it will make as much money. Right. And so when that happens, and what you're will already it look seeing like? Oh. little like Lily Singh has a show now, so yes. that's a little push just, that yeah. way. Yeah. Right? And like, and also, will twelve thirty become a spot? So mm -hmm. will twelve thirty pop up on CBS? Right. And will ABC finally do a twelve thirty and mm -hmm. you know and right. and one thirty and those things? And um, so I, it is interesting moving forward to see to see what happens. But at the same time. You know, it's there's a lot of stories I'd love to tell and places, yeah. I, the things I'd love to do. So um, options are open a lot right now, but it's great because right now I'm just taking some time to like see my son yes, because most it's of so the last yeah, yeah. most of the last 10 months have been. He has see a beard him, now and he can yeah. speak. See, <laughs> it's see him for 10 minutes in the morning yeah. and then come home in just enough time to right. be like. I'm taking you out of a high chair and putting you in pajamas. Right. Uh, so it's so getting to see him and hang out with him and yeah. do that has been father delightful. Yeah. yeah, and he's just like ah <laughs> smack. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, man. but he's great. So That's so awesome. I'm doing that and then just writing and doing stuff and yeah, yeah, getting out there. Always be writing. That's yes. what they say. Be writing. Yeah. Uh, let's get into awesome. food news. Yeah. Our next segment, food news. Food news. Uh, I guess uh, Taco Bell had to recall a shitload of meat. Yeah, they did. Because uh, it had metal shavings in it. Mm, uh, which, who doesn't love that? Huh? Uh, immediately, I was not shocked by because it's Taco <laughs> Bell. And it's like insane that metal shavings could get into their meat. But also, it's like, I feel like Taco Bell would figure a way how to do that, you know? It was 2.3 million pounds <laughs> oh. of meat. What the fuck? Meat. 
mean, to be fair, they probably pay like a dollar for all that because it's like grade Z beef. Yes. So yeah. I was I think, really, su- I'd be yeah. really surprised. I guess that must have been like multiple. I'm hoping there's not one shipment. That's like one. No, it probably is. Like one cruise liner boat, like you know, like with the big, <laughs> like the big metal container. container yeah, that's yeah. just you open it and meat just. One's oh. meat, and then the other ones like sex slaves. Like, like, meat in the sex slaves. Right. One is meat. One's wheat filler <laughs> that we just blend in there. Really fucking gross. I mean, that's why I don't eat Taco Bell. Oh, you don't? No, I don't eat Taco Bell. I if I'm gonna have a taco, I'd rather just pay the two dollars for a street taco. That's very funny because oh, okay. in Arizona. Taco Bell does great. They crush. Well, right? yeah. And it's not even, it's not like it's white people. You're just like, it's Everybody. a different food. Uh-huh. Yeah, You're like, well, I could have Mexican food or I could have Taco Bell. Right, yeah. right. That's what I mean. Like, I don't subscribe to like the shitty taco. Like, if I'm going to eat a taco, mm. I want it to be a good tasting See, taco. I don't eat tacos from Taco Bell. I, I get the chalupa. Yeah. Okay, That's but still, even though. Mm-hmm. I used to get the XXL grilled stuff. Oh, there you but go. they don't do it anymore. I would oh, too, what I, they just have the regular? Now it's just regular. And I was, uh, it's sad. They're yeah. they're changing their menu. I like the gordita when I do the yes. gordita, so gordita, gordita nice. crunch. Yeah. Yes. Is what I would get. They're doing a cheesy chalupa crunch now oh shit yeah. toasted cheddar I not guess. that yeah. i even eat that sort of thing <laughs> but I like if i did you didn't eat it i know and i was like oh shit money. i could be swayed i could be swayed <laughs> you said there was cheese in the inside of the fucking oh I taco love bell mm. i feel like also unifies all of comedy because it's cheap it's cheap it's there oh, it's well and if you lived in chicago i mean not now but mm-hmm. before io used to be across the street from wrigley and there was a, a really t- crummy 24-hour Taco Bell there. And that's the spot. And so you'd always, you know, go slam some Taco Bell in a, <laughs> at 2 in the morning while a cop watches you to make sure you don't steal soda. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. It in was, the water uh, well, cup? It's because it was Wrigleyville, and right. so it's like you have all these drunk bros from Cubs games and stuff, yeah. and then you have, like, improvisers, and everyone's in there, and they're all sad and desperate in their different ways. I feel that. Right, I feel right, that. Right, right. Why yeah. can't you just let me have my soda? Damn, let me it cost that much? Sprite in this water cup. I know. And you just turn the other way. Turn the other cheek. Pretend there's no bubbles in yeah, here. Yeah, it's... Let me... Do, do you guys... You guys are food podcasty yes. based. Like, um, have you... Are you... Do you do a lot of home cooking? And yeah. if you do, are there lot, any cookbooks yeah. that you've got oh, or man. are getting or into? I just got Bourdain's cookbook. Which nice. one? Uh, the Lahal or no the the latest one right before he died. Okay, it's a really good cookbook. It's just like his food philosophy. It's it's all it's like a legitimate book as well, and yeah. it's just his philosophy. Like I think people should know how to make an egg. So there's a recipe of just like how to make a really solid over easy egg. Yeah. So it's simple stuff like that. All the way to like really more technical stuff that he likes to make as well. Um, but then other than that, um, we talked about on uh, the last pod, just yeah. like Paula Deen's <laughs> recipes are really good. They're solid. Yes. Yeah. I love, um, I was saying I love Ina Garden. She's how I learned to cook. So I was telling him I learned to cook because I had gotten, I got diagnosed with leukemia in 2014. And so I didn't cook before then. I was, I always took like pride in, I can't cook, whatever. Someone will make me food. And then once I got sick, I was like, oh, I want to make sure like what's going in my body is good shit. Um, And also I just had a lot of time on my hands. So it was the perfect time to figure out like, okay, what do I like? What do I not like? And Ina Garden's recipes are really easy and fresh. And you use fresh ingredients for everything. She's very much about fresh herbs. So I have like all her cookbooks. Um, I started with, now, now I have cooking for Jeffrey that I'm fucking with. Um, that's her gay husband. That's her gay husband. Uh, <laughs> but the first one was, I think, um, Barefoot Contessa at Home. Super easy, simple recipe yeah. and very delicious. So I felt so Ina yeah. always. That's She's solid. my girl. Do you have go-tos? I have Bourdain's La Hall cookbook. Yeah. And that's the one that I, I really uh, have worked through. Like mm-hmm. he's got some roast chicken stuff in there. But right. then he's, he's got everything. Um, 
And then I'm interested in um, Ivan, uh, the Ivan Ramen. Sure. He put yeah. out the Gaijin cookbook uh-huh. that just came out. Yeah. I want to check that out and, and see that. So I, I, I enjoy cookbooks as like a launching off point mm-hmm. where it's like go in, make it that way once, and then yes. go. And then you can do Absolutely. And then I am big That's on what like, cooking is. And I'm big on like writing in, like writing in the cookbook yeah. with a pencil mm-hmm. being like, and I'm changing this, and I'm changing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then hopefully I can give this to my son and he'll be like, uh, what's paper? It's 2040. <laughs> Put what it is on my iPad 7000. Confused. Yeah. <laughs> with these old books. It's like a hologram, hologram Bourdain's in the yeah. kitchen yeah. with yeah. Him. That'd be At least sick. cut the corners off like Battlestar Galactica. So it's future paper. <laughs> that's right um greg do you have anything to promote anything you want to talk about before we get out of here uh i have a couple things to promote yeah, uh, if right. you want to see a really cute baby become my friend and download <laughs> yes. signal and i will send you pictures on signal because do i that. do not fuck with the cloud and my son i love it um <laughs> also you can follow me on twitter at gary jackson i'm already why is it gary jackson okay uh because it's a much blacker sounding name than me. <laughs> wow. and because in high school and college people would hear my name and then call me Gary and I no. never I never corrected people. So That's I had people weird. keep calling me Gary and then I figured out I'd make it a name. Gary Jackson. Okay. So Gary, Gary Jackson, Jackson and then I think I'm on Instagram as Gary Jackson but I do not post There's or nothing like. on there. I don't do anything. Yeah. I think okay. I have five pictures. Follow you on uh-huh. Twitter. Because I'm too weird. I, I don't you. know how Instagram yeah. works. I'm yeah. afraid I'm going to like well, it's run by Facebook. Cool. You're Facebook an old millennial. You don't yes. use, you don't yeah. use And I don't have Facebook. I deleted my Facebook Same. years ago. Good for you. Good for you. Um, but yeah, follow me on Twitter, Gary Jackson. And then also- It's a great account. I am- uh, I love it. Follow that because I have some podcasts coming out this fall that oh, I'm great. watching some podcast series. Hopefully, um, there's a sports one that we are working on getting Ooh, produced and then yeah. a politics one that we'll be putting out as well. I love it. All right. Yeah. Very sick. Thanks for coming on, Greg. You're Thank the best. You. I Thank feel you. like we're friends now, right? Yes. I'm sorry for Officially. I think you. we're friends. Yes. I didn't make fun of you or call you fat yes. or anything. So not, we're you're not equally uh, ranked. <laughs> yeah, not equally oh, ranked oh, friends. Man. Both friends just Both tilts friends. this oh. way. <laughs> tilts very far this way. God <laughs> damn it. Well, that's my effect on people. Every time we've had a guest, they like Ariel more. So Greg, you know, I'm here we go. Very cute. It's true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> keto, baby. Yeah, keto, baby. Well, you can find me on the internet at Ariel underscore comedy on Instagram and Twitter if you want to look at me. I'm on Instagram. Also, uh, arielcomedy.com if you want to see where I'm performing whatever <laughs> Brian L. Yang on Instagram Brian Yang on Twitter uh, follow What's Eating You on Instagram and Twitter you just the letter U on uh, Twitter because it's weird and then the whole word spelled out for Instagram please rate and review we're getting a lot of rates but write a review that'd write be nice instead of DMing Ariel every time yeah, just, just write a review a one sentence yeah, like I like the podcast the time you've spent write yeah. a recipe in the review write a yes. recipe I would Thank actually you, really Greg. love that that would be dope and we'll read it on the air. Yes. And we'll try it, maybe. We won't. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of free time. I probably will. Uh, and we're presented by Listening Party and record inside Canal Street Radio. Follow the crew at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Guys, this was the app. Greg, thank you so much, man. You, I Greg. love you. I love your baby and your wife and your all four of your parents, Ariel. We'll be, back, uh, we'll be back next week alone. Yes. No Emmy. People love that, though. No Emmy uh, award-nominated guests. I've been uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actress in a Web Series. Oh! So it's basically the Boom. same thing. Basically Boom. the same Fuck thing. Fuck yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you. And this is, a, you know, we're like, up for a Pulitzer in the way that yes. everything's up for a Pulitzer. Yes. Yeah. I love that. So. That's us. Yeah. A Peabody Award <laughs> eligible <laughs> podcast. Exactly. If you think about it, it's out there. They could give us something if they wanted Please to. Please love us. Please listen. All right. Thank, thank you, you guys. Bye. Bye.
our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>